are working through um, the joy of angels and kind of thinking about these three announcements that occurred and the joy that these angels might have had to make these announcements and just really considering what was it like for them to do this. Like what was the moment like? Last week we looked at Mary, as Deidre said, and then this week we're going to be looking at her husband Joseph, and then next week, for which will be Christmas Eve, we're going to look at how this message of joy was for all. So it will be the shepherds, but we're really kind of looking at all. So that would be next week for Christmas Eve. So, But right now, go to Matthew chapter 1, um, and you'll see in verse 20, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament, so... It doesn't mean it's at the halfway point of the Bible, but when you get towards the back, you'll come to the New Testament, and then Matthew's the first book. So verse chapter 1, verse 20 says, But as Joseph considered these things, what's going on, we'll look in a minute. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Let me pray. God, your word, as I say every week, is awesome. I come in here excited because of that. I, I come in here thinking, man, your word is amazing. And then we sing these songs, and I, and, and I think about your word in light of these songs, and some of your word that's in these songs. And I, I just, I don't know, I get excited. Um Sometimes I don't even know why. Sometimes it just makes me smile. But I'm grateful for it. Thank you for giving it to us. Thank you for letting us have it. Thank you for trusting us with it. And I say us, and I really mean us, not just me. This this room full of people and, and your family all over the world. Lord, thank you for trusting us with it. Help us be faithful to leave it your word and not try to make it our own, but also to share it. Um, I love you, and I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. So, everybody loves a mystery. That's a kind of a common phrase, but it's really true if you think about it. Uh, there's very few things that we look at, read, study, watch, or otherwise that don't have some form of mystery in it. That's kind of the point of most things. There's a mystery and resolution. Books, movies, I don't care what it is. I remember when I was a kid, I used to love the uh, Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew books. Y'all, some of y'all have no idea what I'm talking about. Some of you just smiled because you went right back to being a kid. Choose your fate books. I mean, I don't know about that one either. I loved those. Never know how it's going to end, but you get to choose your your own page all the way through. Uh, there were movies like or TV shows and stuff like Twilight Zone and stuff that have like these crazy twist twists in them, and, and where you don't really see what's coming. I used to love those kind of things. Uh, there's so many. They kept going e- even into modern times with just things as simple as CSI or cops. Or even things like that. There's even a kind of mystery to what's going on if a cop pulls somebody over and what's really happening here. Uh, Lost was probably one of the biggest mystery shows of all time. We loved that show, and Lost was the appropriate word because that's the way you stayed the vast majority of it. Um, but each episode leading you want, couldn't wait to come back and watch the next one. They left you perfect. Kind of like a book where you're like, I'm just going to read one more page. I'm just going to read one more. Like, you've got to go one more page because the mystery's pulling you on. But one of the hardest things about mysteries and stuff like that is the risk that where you're heading is not going to satisfy your curiosity. 
like Lost, for instance, uh, the, when, that season, when that show came to an end, the whole world, if you watched it, you know, but the whole world was tore up because the ending left questions, tons of questions, you know, and that's not just Lost. There's tons of shows and uh, books and other things that maybe you've read and you get to the end and you're like, wait, what? Like, what? There's got to be more to that than that. And it can even be disappointing sometimes. But the one that we're looking at today, I can promise you there is no greater mystery in the history of creation. No greater mystery. And it's beautiful and mysterious and all those things that it is. You will have to accept that you will leave with questions. You have to accept that you're going to leave with questions, but that's actually a skill that you can master. It's called faith. That's that's what faith is. It's it's a it's a satisfaction with having questions. Like I can still trust this, though I got all kinds of questions, and maybe I get two of a hundred questions answered, but I still got ninety eight. But I'm okay. Like, it's a skill that you do. So we're going to look at. Here's your point. Your one point from the sheets are back there if you want one. Or you can grab one on the way out. Trusting God's plan can be difficult when it seems impossible. Trusting God's plan can be difficult when it seems impossible. But if we remember his word and we expect his salvation, it can empower our faith. This is, this is such a great truth. You'll see it in here today. So let's begin. Quick reminder with Mary. You'll see, you don't have to turn back to it or over to it. But in Luke chapter 1, we talked about this this last week. Let's just look at a couple of quick verses again. Pull us back in the moment. The angel Gabriel in verse 30 says to Mary, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you're going to conceive in your womb and you're going to bear a son. And you'll call his name Jesus. Verse 34, Mary says to the angel, Say what? Like, how's that going to work? Not that she doubts what's going on. She's just confused about the process. Like, okay, well, I got you, but how's that going to work? Because I'm a virgin. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you or envelop you. And therefore, the child, because of that, the child to be born will be called holy, sinless. And the Son of God. We'll look at that in a second. Uh, Wayne Grudem, who's a pretty famous theologian, written a lot, a lot of theology books used in seminaries all over the place, and actually lives here in the valley. Um, he wrote this. He said, it's by far the most amazing miracle of the entire Bible. More amazing than the resurrection, more amazing even than the creation of the universe. The fact that the infinite, omnipotent, eternal Son of God could become a man... And join himself to a human nature so that the infinite God became one person with a finite man will remain for eternity the most profound miracle and the most profound mystery in all the universe. That's a mouthful, but that's the point. Man, it's it's literally mind-blowing. And because of that, there's a constant desire for us to push him into one of the two camps. Like we we always and we have to be honest whether you whether you uh, whether you believe it or not there is a wrestle to do that sometimes we start trying to say well he was really a man no 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 he was God well he was all God but no 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 he was a man like we we have a hard time doing that uh, all faiths that claim Jesus wrestle with it in fact some most try to decide it but all faiths wrestle with that whether it's Catholic Jehovah's Witness Mormon quote faiths whatever. All of them do that. And like I said, even Protestants to some degree 
wrestle with keeping that suspense of how can he be both? How can he simultaneously be both God and man? That's always going to be a struggle for us, but it should it should be something that we accept by faith. That's the point. All right. So look back at Matthew chapter one, verse 18, and we'll see some of this today. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ, that's not a first last name. Christ means Messiah. So now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. This is how it went down, Matthew telling this. And Matthew was there with Jesus, so he's telling you how, how his birth went down. When his mother, Mary, and note it says his mother, Mary, didn't just say Mary, his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph. So again, they were engaged. We talked about that last week, which is wild. Why wait till they were engaged, by the way, here? Why involve a man at all? It's a virgin birth. We'll come back to that in a second. But she was betrothed to Joseph. Notice it says his mother Mary, but it doesn't say his father Joseph. Because Joseph was not his father in that sense. God was. And it says before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, Joseph didn't find, didn't find that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Joseph found she was pregnant. You know what I'm saying? So the Bible's telling us that she that it was from the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's actually true. That's what happened. But he didn't know that. He just, all of a sudden, she's showing. You know what I'm saying? And maybe it's almost like sarcasm. Like, yeah, well, the Holy Spirit did it. Okay. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. You know? Um, verse 19. Her husband, Joseph. Not, again, here, her husband. He's not fiancé. Again, in Jewish culture, they're already considered married, all right? And her husband, Joseph, being a just man, means he was, that means righteous, straight, true, faithful man. And unwilling to put her to shame, so it was his decision, he's, he's not going to do that. He resolved, though, committed, determined, decided to divorce her quietly. So there's no question he's going to get a divorce here. And remember, it's not, a, it's not like our world... Where you could just give the ring back and say, hey, the wedding's off. Uh, I mean, they were married. Again, you got a year long plus maybe of betrothal, what we would call engagement. But once they, once he says, will you marry me? And she says, yes, it's a done deal from that point forward, no matter what. So divorce is going to be required. Don't miss these emotions here. That's, that's what's so easy to do with Bible. Imagine the love affair of these two. We don't know what went on. And I'm not being dirty here. I'm being serious. Imagine like the love affair between the two of them, the times where they got weak being around each other, you know, where where maybe she was like, I can't believe he's really mine. Maybe she's thinking the same thing, like I can't, I can't wait to see him again. He's thinking I can't wait to see her, like that's going to be my wife, you know, the engagement the moment when he proposed or he asked her said i want you to be mine going to the parents bringing the families into this whole decision getting excited jumping up in anticipation of one day we're going to be together every day we're going to wake up together there's going to be intimacy there's going to be we're going to raise a family together i mean think of how much joy is in the midst of their lives in this time and it's right now in that moment not before, not after, in that moment where God chooses Mary. 
Why then? Because the fact of the matter is he didn't just choose Mary. He chose Mary and Joseph. He chose both of them. He didn't choose a single woman. Jesus was not born to a single woman. I'm not bashing anything with somebody who's single. I'm just saying that was not the plan. God chose a family. God chose a family for his son or himself in a sense because he designed it that way in Eden. And, you know, honestly, Mary probably told Joseph about the visit from the angel. I would. Wouldn't you? I mean, I, if, I'm sure that that is her best friend. They're fixing to be married. I'm sure if I saw if the angel came to me, I can promise you I'm telling Molly. You know, I might not tell y'all. Y'all might think I'm crazy, but I'm going to tell Molly. You know, I don't know. But he, surely she told him. But I got to be honest in what I think. I'm only telling you what I think. But I imagine that he was probably thinking, you're so cute. You're so sweet. You know, probably just, uh, yeah, the Holy Spirit's going to give us a kid. I, I know. Holy Spirit's going to give us lots of kids. God's going to bless us with lots. You don't need an angel to tell you that. I'm, I'm adding this. I got that. But I'm just trying to take myself to the moment, what it might have been like, until she starts showing. And you got to understand, when it says he's a righteous man, um, He's saying it, the light, the tent, you see the tension in that? Like, but determining not to put her to, sh- like, a righteous man, his, 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 his righteousness in a sense is saying you cannot be with an adulterous pregnant woman. Like, it's not acceptable what she's done and the way she's, she's denying it. You know, even, I, I don't know. But in, in his righteousness, he's saying you cannot Stay with this person. You cannot. You're gonna have to put her. You're gonna have to put her out. You have to gotta go on. You can't. You can't. But, but then there's the side where it says quietly. Like he wanted this to be as as for her sake, not not so much for him, because it's clear he still loved her, and as much as he's hurting, he quietly wants this to go away for her, because if she weren't pregnant, this could be she could be killed for this. So, so, and, and there's no guarantee that after the baby's born, she's not still going to face ramifications. So either way, he's trying to keep it as low key for her sake, but he's also determined that his righteousness is not going to allow him to stay. And he's absolutely, I'm feeling, reading the text here, ripped apart. Absolutely ripped apart. And at that point, an angel. And I think it's important that you understand that because it makes... This part seemed all the sweeter. Look at verse 20. But as he considered these things, that word considered is such a generic word in English. Hey, he thought about it. it. It's more of a, it, the root of that word is like an angry word. It's like he is overwhelmed with emotion to the point that he's frustrated and crying and what am I going to do and what is this, what's happening? How did this happen? It's not just getting divorced. Oh, I'm looking at the papers. I mean, he's wrestling with all of it. At that moment, behold, an angel, not Gabriel necessarily. This one's unnamed. It could be, but we don't know. Just says an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So in Mary's case, it was that Gabriel's there. In this case, an angel appears in a dream. Um, 
And this is more like a vision like you'd see in the Old Testament. It's basically like maybe some of you guys have had not necessarily visions or dreams, I'm not saying that, but maybe you've had dreams where you felt like this thing is real. Like you, when you wake up, you're almost a bit disoriented. It's almost like that, except when these people would have this kind of dream or vision, they know it's really happening. Like they, they are made aware, crystal clear in their soul that this is not just a dream. So in any event, he sees this angel in a dream and says, Joseph, son of David, that's pretty cool that his dad's not named David. That's a title. Why is he referencing that title? Why does son of David matter? It's a descendant of the king. So, Joseph, you could say, son of the king, heir to the throne. He says, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. She's... Don't be afraid to take her as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. You could circle the word is. That's what he's saying. It, it is, Joseph. She told you that. I'm standing here telling you. It is. The baby is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you, Joseph, shall call his name Jesus, uh, for he will Save his people from their sins. She will bear, you will call, he will save. Not save from the Romans. Save from sin. Think about that for a minute. On what? What? On what authority? How's that going to work? Who's the, how is he going to save from sin? Well, he tells you on what authority, or the text does. Verse 22, this is Matthew saying, All this took place to fulfill... What the Lord has spoken by the prophet, in other words, to fulfill the word of God, where God said 800 years or so earlier in verse 23 of Isaiah is where this comes from. Chapter 7, Isaiah seven fourteen, but it's verse 23 of Matthew here. He says, quoting it, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel or he'll be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, do you think this angel showed up sternly? Formally and emotionless, with power and lightning and fire and everything else, don't be afraid. What I mean, if what would you do? Tremble in fear. Like, that don't even make any sense. Like, don't be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. Your son will save from sin. You know, I don't, I don't know. All the old movies I used to watch, it came across that way, you know. How would you say it? If that was your message, and I just told you Joseph's condition, how would you say it? What does he mean by conceived from the Holy Spirit? It's not a sexual act, obviously, so what does he mean conceived by the Holy Spirit? Think about Adam. Adam was a unique creation, right? No mom and dad in that sense. And he became a living being when God breathed life into him or put his spirit into him. We also think about life and we say it begins at the moment of conception. Right? Same word, conceive. I like this quote. Um, Thomas Lancaster's a, a commentary writer that I use a lot. And he says this. He said, every conception is from the Holy Spirit. Everyone. Psalm 104.30 says, God, you send forth your spirit and they're created. 
in Job 33, 4. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. So the conception of Jesus is also brought about by the Holy Spirit, but his conception is of an even more heightened, miraculous nature than ordinary conceptions because Mary was yet a virgin and knew no man. So the fact that the conception came from the Holy Spirit is not a big deal. It's the fact that the conception came from the Holy Spirit without Joseph. That's a big deal. And he assigns his name. You are going to call him to be said to both of them. You'll call his name Jesus. You know, I don't know about you. If you've had kids, you've been around that block. But when you pick out names, I don't know how you go about it. People do it. All people do it different. Maybe you want like a an Irish name or an Italian name or you want something. So you go through books of common names. Or maybe you want a name that's popular at the time. Maybe you want a biblical name. Maybe you want to name the baby after your mom or after your dad. Or maybe you want to name the baby after, like, your heritage in some way, shape, or form. Maybe you just want to be those people and come up with a weird, crazy name nobody ever thought about that your kid loves you for later. Um, maybe you want to be, you know, you want to wait till the baby's born and see it first. And then whatever comes to you in that moment, then that's what we're going to call the baby or whatever. But in this case, he's assigned a name. When God assigns a name, there's nothing random about it. He's actually assigning a name that gives you the nature and the character and the purpose of the person. That's what happens. And God changes names a few times in the Bible. And when he does, it's related to new purpose, new creation, new whatever. So when God does this... From the start, he's not just saying Jesus is going to bring salvation. He is salvation. It's his nature. It's who he is. He, he is God with us or among us is the same. That's what it means. God among us. He is God among us. Both parents are told to call him Jesus, but Joseph gets told why. In Greek... The word is Jesus. In Latin, it stayed the same. And it didn't translate into English until years later, centuries later, really, when the gospel spread through Germany Germany and, and England, and it came to be called Jesus. But in Hebrew, it's Yeshua, and it means salvation. That's what Yeshua means. As a matter of fact, you can go in the Old Testament and see the word Yeshua but it's translated salvation, not Jesus, because it's talking about the person, the act, not the person. The angel said that this child would accomplish its meaning. His name is Jesus. Call him that because he's going to save people from their sin. He's going to accomplish what it means. And in fact, Jesus went straight to that. You could read the story of his life and see it, but I'll give you one where it's really powerful. In Mark chapter 2 and verse 5, it says, when Jesus saw the faith... Of these people who are bringing a paralytic to him. He said to the paralytic. Son your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes who are sitting there. Religious rulers. Questioning in their hearts. <laughs> Say what? Like why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And they would be right. And that's the point. People say all the time, you know, who don't believe. Jesus never called himself God. You haven't read the story. He most certainly did on more than one occasion. And this would be a blunt one for him to say your sins are forgiven. 
Only God can do that. Psalm 118, 14. I love this verse. It says the Lord. That word Lord, all caps, is Jehovah, Yahweh. It, it means the I am. The God. The same God that spoke to Moses. The same God that all of Israel worshiped. The God of gods, Lord of lords, King of kings. I am. He is my strength and my song. Look at this. He has become my salvation. Now, if you look at that in Hebrew, it says he has become my Yeshua. Or you could say, the Lord is my strength and my song. He's become my Jesus. Would not be wrong to say it that way. Think about that. There's tons of those verses in the Old Testament. Acts chapter 4 in the New Testament, verse 12. There is salvation in no one else. Look at what it says here. For there is no other name. Jesus, Yeshua, salvation, no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. He's it. He is all. And he tells us here he's also called God with us or among us. Why was it necessary for him to be among us? I mean, he'd come for visits before, not to make light of it, but I'm saying we've already looked. He's been present in the Old Testament at times. Why was it? necessary for him to do that god and man was he just showing off and why do it through a virgin man why did it have to do that was that like really showing off you know well we can say he's fulfilling scripture we can say that i mean he hinted at it from the beginning if you remember back in genesis chapter 3 verse 15 all the way back when when adam and eve first ate the fruit and he told eve i'm going to put war between you and the woman talking to the he's speaking to the um, serpent at this time between your offspring, that word a seed, and her seed, uh, Jewish people for generations have recognized that as uh, a woman having a seed is unusual. You're not going to speak of a woman having a seed. She has an egg. Men have a seed. So that's a strange thing. Uh, did, he, did he mean a woman is going to have a child without a man? Like what that, What's that going to look like? Well, you know the story and we won't follow it, but as it's proceeded on down, by the time you come to Isaiah's time, which is what Matthew is referencing, in Isaiah seven fourteen, he says this, Therefore the Lord will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and she'll call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Why? Like one suggestion is that sin is inherited through the Father. So for Jesus to be sinless then, uh, he had to be without an earthly father. That sin from the time of Adam, that all the children of Adam are infected with sin. I don't argue with that fact. I believe that's true. The Bible says it. Romans chapter 5 makes it clear. One man's sin, sin entered the world, thus all sin. Um, I, don't, I don't argue with that one. And, and I've never met anybody sinless, so until I do, uh, I, I think I've got a good argument, or the Bible does. But in any event, that's one belief, and that could be. But there's also no clear verse that actually says sin transfers from the father. In fact, if he's born of Mary, he's still got his mother's blood, right? And Mary wasn't sinless because she's still human, born. Um, in fact, Psalm 51, verse 8, verse 5, I'm sorry, David wrote, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So you got kind of a wrestle there. 
you know, it could be that that's what's being avoided. Where no father, no earthly father, because that way he's sinless. That could be true. But then there's still kind of the struggle. Well, was Mary not sinless, or what was the deal with that? Uh, I think it's more likely that it could be that the virgin birth is establishing, even at conception, that he's both God and man. Even at conception, his mom is a human. His dad is divine, to say the least, God. Even at conception, he is both God and man. And he's sinless because remember what the angel had told to Mary, that the Holy Spirit will overshadow you in power and he will be called holy, therefore. Holy means sinless. It's almost as though the Holy Spirit in that moment made sure that he was sinless. Uh, don't know. Can't explain that. But what I can tell you is he was sinless. And I can tell you that the virgin birth was not just a show off. It's a strategic part of the plan. Romans 15 or Revelation 15, 4. I'll give you some verses. You can just write them down. It says, who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name for you alone are holy. Sinless, perfect. All nations will come to you and worship for your righteous acts have been revealed. He's talking about God. He's talking about Christ. In Luke chapter 4, verse 34, a demon speaking. A demon speaking. What have you to do with us, Jesus? And why are you bothering us, Jesus and Nazareth? Have you come to kill us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The Holy One. You alone are holy, Revelation said. John 6, verse 69. Peter says... In front of all the disciples, when everybody's abandoning Jesus because they think he's oh crazy. And Peter says, we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. John 8, verse 23. Jesus says to these, <laughs> again, don't tell me that he didn't call himself God. You are from below. I am from above. From above. He's calling himself God here, but watch. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Again, calling himself God. Verse 24. I, though, am a man here standing in front of you. I, the man, told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I, this man standing here, am he, God, you will die in your sin. It can't be more black and white than that. That's from the man's own mouth. Unless you believe that I, the man, standing here, am he, God, you're going to die in your sin. You're going to die in your sin because that's it. So why both man and God? A man required to take on the sins of a man. A man's required to take on the sins of a man. But it's also going to take a sinless, perfect sacrifice, all right, to honor God. The law requires an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. Man for man. All the goats in the world are never going to be a man. All the bulls in the world are never going to be a man. God worked out a system that allowed them to pass over that, but it didn't take it away. All those things are not going to satisfy eye for an eye. You need a man for a man, but you need a perfect man as a sacrifice for a sinful man. Got to have a perfect man in place of a sinful man as a sacrifice. And that man was Jesus. That's the point. Only God is perfect. Only God is holy. Only God is holy. We just read it. Only God is holy. So you have God as a man. 
man able to take on the sins of man, but also remain holy because he's God. Uh, I believe the angel, I'll close it up here, but I believe the angel lovingly approaches this moment. I really do. I think there's compassion and he's leading Joseph to just trust the plan. And and Matthew makes sure you know the plan is not new. This is the cool part. The plan's not new. It's the word of God. It's the same word that you and I hold in our hands. You understand? Do you just think about that for a step? Always blows my mind. This angel, in the zero A.D. whenever it was, this angel is quoting. God's word, well, Matthew's quoting it, but I'm sure the angel brought it up. Either way, they're using God's word in that moment to talk about what's happening there that was spoken of 800 years later. And you're holding the same thing. It's the same thing you hold in your hand. That blows me away. Like, he is who he says he is. But I think this angel is like compassionate. He's not overwhelmed. I think he's saying, Joseph, man, look, it's okay. I know you're angry. I know you're scared. I know you're confused. But she's not lying. She's not lying to you, man. This is what's happening. It is what's going on. And and then maybe there's a little bit of joy wells up in this angel. He's like, Joseph, listen to what I'm saying to you. This is the Holy Spirit. Like this is the Holy Spirit's work. Listen, Joseph, when you see what's going to happen, you're really going to be blown. Uh, And then maybe, as Matthew expresses, more joy comes into the moment. And more excitement comes in. And and maybe the angel starts to say, look, man, it's right here in God's word. It's right here. He said it all along. In fact, he said it centuries ago. Uh, you could go back millennia. He said it all the way back to Eve, and it's right here. And guess what, Joseph? He chose you, bro. He chose you and Mary. I'm like, y'all are it, bro. You're the ones that are going to receive this privilege, Joseph, man, and his word, awesome. You know, I I feel like maybe, and I obviously ad-libbed a whole bunch, but I feel like to some degree... That's the joy of the moment. You know what I'm saying? Because look what happens when Joseph wakes up. And we're done here. Look at verse 24. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded. He took his wife. Yes, he did. Absolutely, he did. Big exclamation point on the end of that sentence. But he knew her not until she'd given birth to a son. And he did call his name Jesus. God's in control of this entire moment. Not Mary, not Joseph, not even nature. God's in control of the whole entire moment, yet God doesn't completely circumvent nature. He still uses a woman's pregnancy. He still uses conception, development, birth of a child. He's still raised by a mom and a dad. Uh, one other notable thing here before we pull up is he married her. Do you see that? But he knew her not until. That word until is a big word. Until. Uh, She'd had the child, meaning that he knew her, sexually speaking, after the child was born. That's important because there's faiths out there, and y'all know who they are, and some of you may have been part of them that teach that Mary is a perpetual virgin. That's not the case. In fact, 
You can look in the Bible and see it for yourself. In Matthew thirteen fifty five, she has six other kids noted there. At least at least six other kids. Four four brothers and two sisters. It outright says it. Matter of fact, we know that uh or tradition teaches that two of them are authors of the Bible, James and Jude. All right, so anyway, let me say this again from last week. We'll pack this up. If angels find joy in delivering the good news of Messiah, even when it means lives are going to change, then it should bring the same joy for us. May it bring the same joy for us to share it. I said that last week. And if whatever the battle is in your life right now seems too suffocating, I don't know what they all are, but if you've got a battle in your life right now that seems too suffocating to even think about sharing the gospel with other people right now, Maybe that's exactly what you need to do. Maybe that's exactly what you do. Maybe that's why you're suffocating and you haven't realized it yet. Maybe he has a plan through your battles to bring salvation to somebody else. You know? Trusting God's plan, as I said already, can be difficult when it seems impossible. I'm not making light of that. It's true. And believe me, Joseph felt the weight of that. Trusting God's plan can be difficult when it seems impossible. And sometimes we do. We, we face things that are like that. But if we remember his word and expect his salvation, it should empower our faith. And that will bring us joy. You know what I'm saying? You guys stand up with me. We're going to pray and, and finish here. Maybe you're not feeling very joyful. Maybe that's not where you're at right now. Maybe it's time you need to sit back and remind yourself of who Jesus is and what he's done. Maybe it's time for you to come back to that time and say, let me just open this book back up and read it. Go back and look at his word. Go back and look at what his word says. Go back and see the gospel that this child was born for you, that this child provides salvation for you, that because of this child, your sin doesn't have to hold you any longer. That's what the cross is all about. And then come tell me, see me, talk to me. I want to walk you through what that means. Lord, you're awesome and your word is incredible as always. Thank you for the stories uh, that are in there that are not stories. They are accounts. They are things that occurred and happened. But I love that they're told in story so that we can pull ourselves into the moment and really feel the weight of it. Lord, I love you. And I ask you, Father, that you would guide our path, that you would help us be reminded that though things may feel or seem impossible, that, God, you've made a way. Through your son. No greater barrier for us than sin. And you have absolutely demolished that in the most amazing and powerful way. Help us remember that no matter how impossible things in front of us may seem. Help us remember that. Let us go back to your word and remember that. Let it empower our faith that we can trust you more. In Christ's name. Amen.